0: Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Flowpath. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. I am your host, Griffin Hamilton. Today, I've got Martin Luckuck joining me as a specialist in facilities management surrounding the supermarket space. So Martin, uh, before we get into the real details of what's unique about the industry in facilities management within uh, supermarkets, why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what it is you do?
1: Okay, well, thank you very much, Griffin. Uh, So, my story is primarily I was never uh, destined for college. Uh, Coming out of high school, I went to an auto mechanics uh, technical college for a couple of years. And while I've never worked a day as an auto mechanic, I learned so many skills going through that uh, welding and machine tool and and automotive air conditioning, things like that. Uh, After school, I spent 20 years in the field. So I, I've got a lot of experience. I did a, a year, like residential, kind of started the traditional path many people do. was fortunate um, to get an opportunity to go to work for a major player in commercial refrigeration uh, in the early 90s, and that's when my career became supermarkets. Um, after our, my time in the field, I, I had some standard roles, service manager, things like that, but I also had great opportunities running a national call center that uh, – for 2,500 plus stores. Uh, and that really exposed me to the things other than refrigeration that the facility manager faces. And that was the beginning of my transition from a refrigeration expert to a, a, a total store person. And then I had a, a long and, and satisfying and, and rewarding career uh, in the corporate world, uh, making sure that maintenance got done well. And then now I, I started a consultancy where I provide guidance to the supermarket community, grocers and vendors uh, for uh, advancing their their abilities and and making the store maintenance better.
0: And this should really grab everyone's attention because I I know that, Supermarkets—they prevent provide themselves a unique set of challenges, and that's something where it impacts everybody. You know, we're going there, and there's a lot of expectations and assumptions as we're going and shopping and gathering our our produce and our supplies for you know on a weekly basis. But uh, from your perspective, on the other side of it, uh, what makes supermarket facilities so unique uh, as you're managing them?
1: Okay, so I I think the the uniqueness lies in the fact that there really isn't something that is unique that you don't see anywhere else. The uniqueness is the the vast array of different areas that a supermarket provides. So you start with a big box, you've got auto doors on the front, you've got receiving doors on the back, you've got a roof above, plumbing underneath the slab, all the things that come with any larger commercial facility you already have. Then you bring into it um, and I'll leave refrigeration for last because that is the biggest part. But you bring into it, you've got meat production going on. The deli bakery is like a small restaurant. Um, you, there's, and deli bakeries have got you know fat recovery systems. So you know if you if you haven't been around supermarkets or or, or restaurants or a few places, you may not be familiar with that. Um, of course, the produce department and in the back area, you've got. Produce prep, a little farmer's market basically running back there. Uh, you've got some specialized air conditioning, depending on what the, the facility is. Uh, humidity, um, RH control is a big issue with supermarkets. Uh, so is maintaining positive building pressure. But the, the entire thing of all the different departments that are inside and, and the activities, I feel, is what makes it unique in that there's so many different skill sets.
0: Yeah, and, and we've actually had some guests on that they were working, one one of which was Walmart, they were working at, uh, as a facilities manager at Walmart, and what people don't recognize in those large uh, retail stores that have a kitchen back there is it does operate like a restaurant. You are producing uh, food at a mass uh, a very high rate, uh, mass-producing food, and you have to maintain that quality, and that's just one small component of that, and similar to, obviously, with the supermarkets, you have a lot of regulations that you have to follow and make sure uh, that you're on top of those. And I imagine that is probably one of the biggest challenges that you would face um, as you are managing the facilities. But I guess give me some more context there on the specific set of challenges that you see day in and day out uh, that may be unique to supermarket facilities. Well, the, uh,
1: the challenge that isn't 100% unique, but it falls into that category is that even though grocery stores have trended away from being open twenty four seven, it's a twenty four seven operation. The, you know, what's going on inside? Uh, you know, a lot of the deli bakeries, the the staff are starting at four o'clock in the morning. Same thing in the meat departments. So, it it's a twenty four seven responsibility because of that component. Also, the component you've got perishables, and and so when I think of the the challenges that come in. It's that the the, the urgency, I, I feel in, in my experiences, for, for the number of service requests that are coming in, the ones that are the higher urgency level, I feel are, that's probably the biggest
0: challenge. And I imagine that goes into prioritizing and staying organized because you, you, you can't just take in every quote unquote emergency request and just one after the other in chronological order, knock them out. And I guess with that, that's, that could be relatable to almost every other industry, right? Where there's a constant influx of tasks that need to be done and uh, you have to take them in and make sure you're staying organized. And so how do you manage that whole workflow and know how to prioritize what you're doing day in and day out?
1: Okay. Well, the, the first thing is if you are somebody who's already built up or has naturally good organizational skills, you're, you're ahead of the game. If you're someone who, you know, being honest with yourself, that's something that you struggle with, reach out and get some help, um, using your, your outlook and your email effectively. Um, I often think it's emails kind of like people say about computers or your brain or whatever that you use, like less than 10% of the capacity. I always set up my email system to keep reminders coming up in front of me. And that's been my organizational tool. Um, others you know have other systems that they use but you know it it is an industry where probably like others you start every day with a plan that you'd put together before you put your head on the pillow the night before but you know by seven thirty or 8 o'clock the next morning you have to be re-looking at that plan to see whether or not anything that's happened in the last few hours you know, changes it so that's key um the, the, the relationship with, you know, if you're a facility manager, whether you've got in-house team working for you or your relationship with your vendors um, has to be has to be maintained. Uh, there's a, a whole lot more to it than just making sure that they get paid on time. It's, it needs to be a win-win relationship and uh, making sure that that everybody's on the same page and everybody understands why flexibility uh, needs to occur.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you nailed it there. And that's just really the way the industry is going is relying on contractors. Some are 100% outsourced, some just one-off tasks uh, when they require a specialist to come in. But that relationship is crucial, uh, making sure that you're all on the same page, communication is there, accountability is there. And uh, at the end of the day, that relationship has a direct impact on, on the customer or the building as a whole. Uh, going into the specifics surrounding food. That, to me, seems as though it can, can present its own set of unique challenges there. What is unique about that component of, of facilities and, or supermarket facilities?
1: Right. So, obviously, uh, perishables is a huge part of supermarkets and what drives the 24-7 piece to it. Um, refrigeration is the biggest consumer of energy in the store. Uh, refrigeration is complex, uh, and heavily regulated. So these are all pieces that are having to work together. And the, the facility manager is the person who's driving it, uh, locally at the, at the location where they need to be educated on not just what the current, rules are, uh, temperature-wise, uh, refrigerants, all types of things, but also uh, aware of what's coming up in the future. Uh, there's obviously a lot of cost is driven into the, the operating of a supermarket through the refrigeration system. So when when a, a store manager or store director is looking at their main cost, the refrigeration line is... is Always going to be the one that stands out or generally is. And so you've got um, real, real focus uh, on their part, you know, on their refrigeration. So making sure that you've got good answers for the store directors, uh, you know, committing to timelines and meeting them, things like that are what really drive it.
0: Hey listeners, real quick, this is Alex Cummings, CEO of Flowpath, an industry-leading CMMS designed and built by operators to fit the scale of any organization. I'm excited to share with you that Flowpath now offers a tier for teams that just need core CMMS functionality on simple monthly contracts and at a price that makes sense. We call it Flowpath Core, and it runs on the same powerful Flowpath software that thousands of professionals rely on every day. So come check us out at getflowpath.com and see just how easy it is to get started with a software designed to fit your needs. Oh, and mention this ad and you'll get 10% off your core subscription. Okay, enough for me, back to the show. And on the refrigeration front, are there daily inspections or recurring tasks Uh, that you implement to make sure that you're being proactive there, Uh, perhaps not preventative maintenance per se, but just making sure that you are routinely inspecting uh, those systems to, uh, to stay on top of that. Right. Right.
1: And again, there are a number of ways that the supermarket industry uh, gets its services. Uh, Interestingly, there's been a resurgence in the supermarket industry to in-house maintenance and this is uh, a reversal of a trend that's been going on for, for quite a while. Not that the, the vendors are lacking for, for work either, but as a strategy. And my personal feelings are always that, you know, in-house can be a very effective tool. Uh, it's just a, you know a matter of how the financing and bookkeeping is done. But regardless of those things... If a store is operating purely time and materials on an emergency basis, it's very difficult uh, to do any type of inspection. But a good facility manager will be able to communicate with a store director you know, without making it sound like blame shifting, just to communicate to them that while we understand you know, the, the, the setup that we have, if it's time and materials, Make sure that they understand that this does not allow us to catch small things before they're becoming bigger things. We're really relying on either an EMS system temperature alarm or an employee reporting to the manager that there's a problem. Um, so when you have uh, like fixed fee, uh, that puts the burden more on the vendor Um And that takes a lot of facility manager involvement to make sure you get maximum value out of your fixed fee contract, which is usually, you know, it's, it doesn't specify out how the vendor goes about doing the the contract. They're just basically responsible to keep the store from breaking down for a 30 day period for a certain amount of money. And that's where facility managers really have to find the fine line between their budget And between what they know about the stores, as far as how frequently do you need to make sure somebody goes by to do exactly what you're talking about? Go in the store, listen, smell, see, go up around the equipment, touch vibrations that have come up, things like that, that that the store people are not aware of and shouldn't be expected to be aware of, you know, just the, the little subtle things that we know are, are indicators of a bigger problem
0: coming up. Um,
1: when you, when you have a, a full yeah. in-house, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was going to ask on the, the in-house piece and what you're referring to as far as just being, listening to your team and using, you know, all of your senses there because I think the people that are in there day in and day out, they'll, they'll catch those things that, uh, maybe leading indicators of, like you said, a much larger, more expensive. Right. And of
1: course, the, you know, the in-house team has the benefit of, of being, you know, the, the cost of putting a technician on site is already built into your budget. They're going to be somewhere that day. So it's about making sure that all of the stores that, let's say a technician is assigned a certain number, they're all not going to be as convenient from that person's house something like that. So it's making sure that the furthest away stores get in the same amount of love as, as the others. It's also about looking at the age of the stores and the history of the equipment to see where you've had higher failure rates in the past and, and focusing your energy there. So the facility manager role, you know, when you've got in-house is really to maximize the value of that labor that you've already paid for.
0: Yeah, and that's, Kind of going into the the data piece of this, and you alluded to different technologies that can be deployed, temperature readings, vibration readings, that you are uh, leveraging these sensors to, again, just be proactive there and make sure that you're monitoring that uh, as you should be. And on that, what are additional trends that you're seeing beyond the technology and kind of leaning towards the in-house uh, as opposed to outsourcing model. Uh, what other trends in the industry are you seeing? Well, I
1: think the biggest uh, trend, challenge, all in, in one is refrigerants and the environment and uh, uh, environmental responsibility and where the business is going. As a person who's been in the industry for a long time, you know, we, we got – Chlorine out and the HCFCs came in and and hey, then we find that we've got some issues there too. Um, And so what I'm seeing in in the trending is there's not so much of the just coming up with the next gas. There's a lot of different refrigerants out there. But I do think that the naturals, um, CO2 seems to really be establishing itself, CO2 transcritical um, uh, as, as a, uh, uh formidable challenger to, uh, uh, the hydrocarbon, you know, the refrigerants we've used in the past. Um, definitely going to take a, a lot of training because it, for the first time really breaks away from just the, the basic components that we've all been used to. Um, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be plenty of years left for the current refrigerants and the phase outs. and and I think that you know the the EPA is has got a um, pretty good handle on identifying which are the most harmful and putting out timelines that seem to be pretty fair for the industry for making changes or being prepared to make changes. So I think other than you know the the refrigerant thing is the biggest part, Uh, we're seeing a a trending towards and and this isn't really new, but the life of refrigerated cases is being pushed longer. And that same thing can be said, you know, from a standpoint of ovens and fryers and a whole bunch of other uh, assets that go, you know, capital budget type things that are being asked to to give more life. And so that's good in a way, if you're in the the service business, that that is good uh, for us. But it does mean that you're gonna be having more of the types of failures where it's more either structural A weld breaks after years and years of vibration or a a shaft, you know, something strips out where the general maintenance of keeping belts or, or chains tightened and lubricated and all that, you know, is those things always need to be done. But when you push things further and further out, metal stresses and other things become factors.
0: It makes that much more important to your original point, staying organized and making sure that that plan you're executing on a daily basis and giving yourself time to be proactive with the PMs and the inspections there. So going into just your career and that being something where it impacts all of us we're on a weekly basis going to supermarkets and interacting and like i mentioned earlier have that expectation of what a facility should be what has been the most rewarding part of working in this industry as so
1: manager? i would say that the most rewarding part is that the supermarket has been and continues to be really a, a hub of the community um, and just a, a Quick story to emphasize. Uh, I had the uh, privilege is not the right word, but after Hurricane Michael uh, hit Panama City Beach, I was the first leader for a, a major supermarket chain that was impacted there. And to see how the community goes to the grocery store, looks to the grocery store as being that kind of hub when, when life is in complete turmoil, very extreme example there, but the same thing comes into play every day that, you know, you're, you're protecting food from spoiling in, in a a world where there, we, it's just, it's sad to see food go in, in the garbage. It's, it, it, there's a lot of pride that comes in, in doing that. So I would say that's the highest level, uh, piece. I, I also believe that it's rewarding how i in in my case and and how you know others are thinking maybe to get in the business i was purely a refrigeration guy and halfway through my career i switched over and really embraced the the total building the you know and and i look at things so much differently now so you know i would say that the the fact that Supermarket facilities management made it a bigger thing for me. I mean I, when I'm pulling in a parking lot, I'm looking at the condition of the asphalt, mm-hmm. are the parking lot lights on for energy management? As I walk in the front door, I'm looking at the operation of the auto doors, feeling for positive building pressure. You know, as I step inside, I'm using my body as kind of like a little, you know, multi multimeter to see how comfortable I am and and you know, and things like that. So right. I think rewarding wise that's, that's it. You know, the, the pieces that just keep that supermarket humming.
0: And, and you mentioned uh, briefly that your transition into the whole building, it started out with refrigeration. Uh, that's not the path that everyone takes. And it seems like everyone that I've interviewed has had their own unique story and, and path to get into facilities management. And so, It could be a little overwhelming at times on what the first step is to to get into the industry, but what would you recommend someone that's considering uh, specific to facilities management, the supermarket industry, uh, what would your recommendation be to that individual? Okay, so
1: great question. So if if you're thinking about supermarkets, but you're lacking in refrigeration and HVAC expertise, I guess I'd say do what I did. At one point in the late 80s, I realized that I needed more. And I went back to a local refrigeration and air technical school. And I did about a year, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, six till 10. And that's, you know, it's a commitment. And I understand many people have, have, you know, family and, and things like that, that interfere with going to school at night. That was before the internet. So I would say, first of all, work with people that you know who have more experience than you do with it and find some trusted websites who are putting good information out there.
0: I love that. Well, Martin, once again, thank you for for coming on the show. This has been incredible. And I could say you are the first individual that I've had uh, on that talked about this unique component of facilities management. And And once again, thank you for bringing your expertise to the show. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and follow us on LinkedIn for more facilities management content.